Wasn't that an amazing time of worship this morning? Yeah. Let's just close our eyes one more time and let's raise our hands. Just thank God for his presence this morning. Come on, speak out your thanksgiving this morning. I know it's weird. There's no music going on now. But just thank him for his presence this morning. Okay, so in this super spiritual moment, this is what I want you guys to do, okay? Close your eyes with me. Put your hands in front of you like you're grabbing a steering wheel, okay? This is, I want you to repeat after me. You ready? I am speed. All right, let's try it again. Let's see if we can get a little bit more intense. Say, I am speed. Okay, let's see if you guys can do it on your own, okay? So I'm going to count to three, and I want you guys all to say it together. Make sure there's a little break in between, so it's going to be I am speed. Okay, you ready? So one, two, three. I am speed. Oh, yeah. Okay, so who knows what we're quoting right there? Anybody? <laughs> you should know. The kid that you watch, I'm sure, watches that all the time. Okay, so um, our niece, Peyton, our niece, nephew, goodness, whoopsie, our nephew, Peyton, uh, loves the movie Cars, Lightning McQueen. That's what he talks about. I know uh, Matt and Keegan are running the tech booth. Everybody look at them and say hello. hello. Oh, yeah. If anything goes wrong, it's all their fault this morning. Okay, so, but their son, Hudson, loves Lightning McQueen. And I wanted to tell a little story because I'm really proud of this. So uh, Hudson turned, uh, did he turn one or two? Two. So he turned two not too long ago, and we needed to get him a present. So Natalie and I uh, went to Walmart. We were going to get a present there. And she wanted to get him. I don't even remember what she wanted to get him. But I said we should get him Mac, which is the uh, semi that pulls Lightning McQueen around, and a little Lightning McQueen toy. And Natalie was really upset because they were kind of small. And she just, she was like, I'm not, just not sure that he's going to like it. And actually, we went back and forth probably for how long? about 30 minutes in Walmart, trying to decide, is this what we're going to get, or is this not what we want to get? The kid opened the present at his birthday party and literally wanted nothing else for the rest of the day. So much so that another little kid walked up. You know, kids don't understand at that point. They're just walking up. They're like, hey, that kid has a toy. And another kid walked up and tried to pick that toy up, and Hudson about flipped his lid, because nobody else can have Lightning McQueen and Mac, okay? So, I was really proud of that because apparently I can still access the two-year-old mindset about what type of toy they want to have, mainly probably because I still, I still like cars. Um, Natalie and I were joking. Maybe we were really tired, and so we were really emotional. We started to cry at the end of Cars when Lightning McQueen goes back and pushes the old car across the finish line. It's touching. It's very, it's very moving. Okay. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. We're not sponsored by Pixar. I'm not sure why I'm giving them such a big commercial. Um, but that moment right there, he says, I am speed. Let's do that again. Repeat after me. So one, two, three. I am speed. Okay, so if you watch the movie, you know anything about cars, it's all about his mindset in that moment, right? I remember in 2006 when that movie came out, I went to the movie theaters. I remember sitting there, and they got that Rascal Flatts song playing in the background, and they're doing that opening scene, and it was powerful. The Spirit of God was in that movie theater right then. It happened. No, it, it showed this focus, right? It showed his desire. I am speed. This is what I do. This is how I move. I will win, right? Okay. If you watch the movie, you see that his arrogance uh, essentially leads him to popping all of his tires and tying with his tongue outstretched at the finish line. You guys are very impressed by my knowledge of cars, I can tell right now. Okay, 
So what I want to talk about today, I promise this ties in, is the mindset of generosity. Everybody say that. Everybody say mindset, mindset. of generosity. generosity. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask everybody to pull out their billfolds, empty everything into a plate or anything like that. We're not, we're not doing that today, okay? Some of you guys look a little nervous, a little gun shy. Um, we're, not, we're not here to talk about generosity, to guilt trip you. What we want to do is we want to... Sp- present to you guys a scriptural basis for how we are supposed to live in the kingdom of God with generosity. Can we do that today? Is that okay? Everybody say yes. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. Okay, we're we're getting there. All right, so what we want to do today uh, is we want to outline the path to getting a mindset of generosity, okay? So we're going to look, let's all look together actually at a passage, and this is a little bit of a longer passage, but we're going to read it together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you've got a device or a paper Bible, you're going to want to turn there. I've got the highlighted verses that we're going to talk about on the screen, but otherwise it was just a lot of scripture to look at. So uh, there is going to be a little bit of reading today. Uh, And I'm going to start at the very beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to be in the Passion Translation if you have a device so that you can switch to that. And it starts like this. Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. From the depths of their extreme poverty, superabundant joy overflowed in in an act of extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave, not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of God to God's holy people who are living in poverty. They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. We're going to pause right here. This is where we want to start. To attain a mindset of generosity, we first must give ourselves to the Lord. We have to give ourselves to the Lord. One of the main things that God has been highlighting, I think, to a lot of people, but especially to me personally, during this time, COVID, I know that's like a curse word now, but during the pandemic, during all of these quarantines, during all of this stuff that's shifting back and forth, we can go places, we can't go places. I heard somewhere that they're suggesting that you can only have 10 people together for Thanksgiving. I have like 17 first cousins, and most of them have children. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy when you think about all of these restrictions, and it gets really shifty, okay? And what I want to talk about first is there is competition with giving ourselves to the Lord right now. And I believe this is a spirit. This is something that God has really been highlighting to me. That is a spirit, and it's every man for himself. The spirit that God has been highlighting to me is that a lot of people are in this mindset of every man for himself. And that's hard. And I can see the looks on some of your faces because I, I feel the same way. I'm thinking about situations where it's like, you know, I really was thinking about me, my, and mine in that moment and nobody else. I, I, I didn't have a mindset of generosity. I had a mindset of every man for himself. And so what God has been doing is he's been combating that in me. This is the main thing that he's been speaking to me. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. I want everybody, we're going to do this a couple times today, just close your eyes for a moment. And I think we did this at the beginning of worship, but I just want to do this one more time. 
Think about when you got saved. What was one of the things that you loved the most about being saved? Just think about that. Think about the joy that that brought into your life. And maybe if you're having trouble doing this, maybe you can go back and you can ask uh, maybe uh, a parent or a friend that was there at that time to see maybe what they noticed. You guys can look at me now. This is something that I've been starting to do. I, I like to look back on things that God has done in, in my life and just meditate on that memory and let God bring joy out of that. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of things that don't cause joy, right? Yes, maybe. I think we're getting there. So can we talk about something happy? You guys look a little sleepy. Can we do that? Okay, so uh, for instance, the memory that I have been dwelling on, I got to tell my wife, that she was pregnant. Think about that. I got to tell my wife that she was pregnant. Now, if you're a close friend, maybe you'll get the detailed story later. But I got to tell my wife that she was pregnant. If you didn't know, Natalie is almost 15 weeks pregnant. So it's awesome. Yes. If you guys want to hear a little bit more of the story, you actually can listen to our ALC Daily Podcast. Please do not listen to it on SoundCloud. I know they gave that announcement earlier. But we are switching to Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, you can listen there, and you can hear our story, and hopefully it encourages you. But it's one of the memories that I've been dwelling on, and God reminding me to return to my first love. He's been bringing back old songs. He's been bringing back uh, scriptures that I learned in Bible drill. Who did Bible drill when they were growing up? Anybody? Okay. A few people present your swords, the whole, whole shebang. We even did like, comp- like, we did like regional competitions. It was intense. We took it to a whole nother level. Um, but he's been bringing back a lot of those things. Uh, he's been just bringing back basics of how I relate to people um, that are close to me with kindness, with the fruits of the Spirit. And I think it's important for us to start right here because we are never, ever going to be able to be generous unless we've given ourselves to the Lord. And that means that we trust Him completely. Because if we don't have complete trust in God, total abandon in what He can do for us, we're never going to be generous. I mean, occasionally you might give a gift, but other than that, true generosity is never going to prevail in your life. One of the verses, we did this for our time meeting uh, last week, that I've just been praying through is Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I think this verse is so important for us during this time that I went and bought one of the $5 popcorn tins at Walmart, and we had a memory verse challenge with our youth group to see who could get the $5 popcorn tin, and I believe the victor is here. Do you want to stand on up? All right, let's give Brian a big old round of applause. He worked hard, and he made it happen. But Brian, that scripture is going to change your life. It's going to change your life. You can have a seat, dude. It's going to change our lives when we have true abandon. And there's one other thing along with So there's all of these back to the basics. This is the big basic that God has been bringing back to me. Life is not all about me. I know. Isn't that disappointing? Krista, it's not about you either. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's not about me. It's that spirit of every man for himself. It is not about me. 
It's about God. I think some of you guys thought I was going to say it's about other people. It will be eventually, but it's about God. My life is not about me, okay? John 3.30, more of you, Lord, less of me. It's a simple scripture. It's a short scripture. But it's something that can, can completely transform our lives. More of you, Lord, less of me. We have to give ourselves to the Lord. Am I, am I being clear? I think I've said it a few times. We have to give ourselves to the Lord. Right now, okay, I know I'm big on activation. I'm big on action steps. I want you to think right now, what is keeping you from giving yourself fully to the Lord? Is it a relationship? Is it a sin habit? What is it? Is it, is it a non-event? Maybe you prayed for God to do something and you feel like he didn't do it. Whatever it is, let's clear it out this morning. Let's bow our heads right now. I just feel that there is a moment right now that can happen in a lot of our lives. What is one thing that is keeping you from giving yourself fully to the Lord? Offer it to him right now. Offer it to him. People on the live cast, I know we've got a lot of people that have been quarantining. Offer that thing to God right now. Because first, we have to give ourselves to the Lord. That's the first thing. Life's not about me, it's about the Lord. And when we make our lives about the Lord, you guys can open your eyes now. When we make our lives about the Lord, then we get to give ourselves to the church. So everybody say, first to the Lord, Lord. then to the church. Okay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to keep reading. This is verses 7 and 8. You do well and excel in every respect. This is Paul talking to this church. You do well and excel in every respect, in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the love we have shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. I'm not saying this as though I were issuing an order, but to stir you to greater love by mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. Okay. When you read this verse, okay, there's a list in here. I'm going to read it one more time. Here we go. It says, uh, right here at the top, you do well and excel in every respect in unstoppable faith. So everybody hold up one finger. Say, unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and sharing the love we have shown to you. Okay, I do not believe that this is a random list of things that the church is good at, okay? I don't think Paul was just looking at him and be like, oh, you guys are really good at these things. These are a reflection of the fivefold ministry. Unstoppable faith. Have you guys ever met an apostle? He has unstoppable faith. That's a gift that the church needs, right? Everybody say yes. Say, we need the apostle. That's right, okay. Powerful preaching. Teachers are really good at preaching, right? Okay, so everybody say, we need the teacher. Revelation knowledge, the prophet. Thank you. You started to repeat. That's awesome. Okay, so the prophet. Everybody say, we need the prophet. prophet. Passionate devotion. Who has ever met a pastor who is not passionately devoted? There's not very many. I know know there's exceptions. There are people that have personal struggles. But most pastors are passionately devoted to what they are doing. So much so that most pastors work probably 60 to 80 hours a week because they are that passionately devoted to what they are doing. Sharing of love, the evangelist. 
This is a better picture, I think, painted for the evangelist than usual. You know, I've seen some, some interesting illustrations. I won't share them because I'll probably get in trouble for sharing them. Um, but there's some very interesting, with the fivefold, there's some very interesting analogies with the evangelist. So it's wonderful for them to be painted in the picture of sharing of love. Okay. It's not a random list. These are all here for a reason. Uh, who likes to bake? Anybody? Anybody like to bake? You can bake for me anytime you want, okay? So if you want to make something, I love everything except for coconut. That's my one, it's my one limitation, okay? So I'll take whatever you got. Um, but if you've ever baked, how many of you guys have ever had to hand stir something, okay? Okay, so you're hand stirring, that's great. I think my mom used to let me make uh, cookies and stuff with her so that I would get tired by stirring the cookies. It'd, it'd wear me out, okay? How many of you guys then have ever used like uh, a, a kitchen appliance to stir it, like a blender, or a mixer, okay? It mixes better when there's more than one, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ed, we'll just call it edge, okay? So you've got the beater, okay? If it's got, only has three points, it'll mix okay, right? But if it has more and more like a whisk, eventually what will happen is it will become more and more and more combined. If you look at this verse that is in 2 Corinthians 8, it says, I'm not saying this as though I were issuing you an order, but to stir you to greater love by mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. We will never fully attain a mindset of generosity if we do not let ourselves be stirred by the fivefold ministry. We will never fully attain that because we need to hear from all of these different aspects of how we can relate to things, how we can act. And this is another thing. I'm, I'm being a little pointed today, but I'm hope, I hope I'm helping people, okay? So th this is another spirit that God has been revealing to me. First, it was every man for himself, right? Who has experienced every man for himself? Let's start there. Yeah, we've all experienced the every man for himself, okay? So it, it happens, but we can, we can combat against that. The other thing that I believe is a spirit that God has been showing to me, and maybe um, it might be better to call it a limiting belief. A limiting belief that I think the church is very guilty of right now is that we don't trust anyone. We've been talking about millennials a lot. I'm not a millennial. I am a millennial. I just don't have a lot of hair. Um, so I'm a lot. That's right. So I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm, a part, I'm a part of this generation. And if you look at millennials and you try to analyze and figure out why are millennials the way that they are, why are only 10% of them in church, maybe even less now that the pandemic has started? Millennials don't trust millennials. Think about that for a second. Millennials don't trust other millennials, okay? Who has, Pastor Ben loves this. He jokes about this all the time. He got a new dentist and he's labeled him a millennial dentist, okay? And so he has this new dentist and he thinks it's hilarious that he gets like 10 texts leading up to his appointment. He'll get a text about two weeks out. Hey, reminding you that you got an appointment on this date. And then they'll get another one about a week out. Hey, reminding you you got another appointment at this date. And then about four days before, hey, you got an appointment coming up. And then every single day after that, up until the appointment, they are reminding you and asking you for confirmations and be like, are you coming? Are you coming? Good job that you came. And they're really happy when they see you inside the, the place. This is what it comes down to. Millennials don't trust millennials. They do not have confidence that when they book an appointment for a millennial, that that millennial is going to show up for the appointment. Okay. 
I'm blowing some of your minds right now, okay? So it's, it's, a, it's a trust issue. And the limiting belief that we have is that we can't trust anyone. It starts with, oh, I can't trust this person. Because there's some, there's some level of rapport that's built with your parents and with older people to an extent. But if you aren't careful and you position yourself as you begin to get older and you're not putting yourself in the confidence of other people or in the trust of other people, then eventually it's not just I don't trust people my own age. It's I don't trust anyone. I don't trust my church leaders. I don't trust my pastors. I don't trust my teachers because I don't believe either that they're going to back me up or I don't believe that they're authentic. And for some of it, maybe we have good reason. Who believes 100% of what they hear on the media? Okay, good. I was a little worried. I thought somebody was going to raise their hand there for a minute. They were just wiping their nose. Okay, so... Or maybe they saw that nobody else was raising their hand and they went, went for the nose wipe. No, there, there are things that aren't trustworthy. But the kingdom of God is trustworthy. Do people mess up? Yes. Does that mean that we shouldn't trust? No. We have to get past this limiting belief. We are not intended to live life alone. At ALC... This is our new saying. Pastor Ben and I learned this last week. Uh, we were at Pastors University in Baton Rouge learning from Larry Stock, still um, out of Bethany and the, and the Surge Mission Project. This is our new, new saying. We are not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Yeah. Everybody say that with me. Say, we are not a church. Say that one more time. We are not a church, not a church. With, small with small groups. We are a church, are a church. of small groups. If you are not in a small group, you should be. End of statement. I'm, I'm not going to try to convince you anymore. If you are not in a small group, if you're not in a house church, you need to be. You really need to be. We are not meant to live this life alone. If you look in Ecclesiastes 4, this isn't going to be on the screen. So if you've got a device uh, and you want to look at this, I'm just going to read really quickly. But it's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 7. This is Solomon speaking. He says, Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity and an unhappy business. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall... One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You are not intended to live life alone. If you are a house church leader, will you raise your hand? Okay, awesome. Everybody take a, oh, keep those hands up. Everybody take a quick look around the room. If you are not in a house church, you need to be, okay? Pick somebody that you see right now, and I want you to commit to me that you're going to go talk to them after service. Everybody raise your right hand. Everybody, everybody in the room. Here we go. Everybody on the live stream, here we go. Say, I commit, I commit. to talk to a house church leader. You know, I feel like about 50% of you cut out, but I'm not going to push too hard. If you're not in a house church, you need to be. You cannot do life alone. Our generosity is not just added to, 
but it is multiplied when we work together. It's not just added to. It's not 10 and 10 make 20. It's 10 and 10 make 100. Okay? It's our, our generosity is multiplied when we are together. We have to recognize that we cannot do this life alone. This is something that I want to do. Okay, so uh, last week, who remembers what I talked about before Pastor Ben preached? I talked about ants, right? A bug's life, okay? Apparently, I'm sponsored by Pixar. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, but I talked about ants, okay? At that point in our fundraising, uh, we had, um, uh, I think, a little under uh, 11.5 left uh, for our surge, uh, our surge commitment for this coming year. And I think, if I remember right, it was going to be like $154.26 per person. That would, be, that would cover your portion of the $12,000 that we are trying to raise for Surge. Just a quick commercial, the $12,000 that we are raising is to pay for our pledge for 2021 that we've already given to Surge. Okay? We have already pledged this money to Surge. What that means is when we get to 2021, everything that we do on top of that will be on top of our pledge. Okay? Remember, it's not addition, it's multiplication. That's what we're looking for at this moment, okay? So last week, I, I cut it down by ants. We all, if we all carry our portion, then we'll, if, and we all paid this amount, we could cover this, okay? So if you're a house church leader, again, raise your hand. I'm, I'm kind of talking to you, but I'm also talking to all the members at this point, okay? Right now, we have $8,261 left. We're over 25% of the way, by the way, which is awesome. That's, that's amazing that that's where we're at. We have about 15 active house churches. If every house church paid $550, we would be done. Think about that. Our house churches have, what, a minimum of five or six involved there, okay? Now, I get it. Some of you have already given. I'm not, I'm not trying to push you to give past what you're able to give. But what I am doing is, what if you joined your efforts as a house church and did something creative to attack the $550 that each of your house church has left, okay? I'm thinking about this for the youth group, okay? We don't have a lot of time left in the month, but what is something that the youth group can do that could contribute to that amount, okay? Let's be creative about that, because remember, our generosity is not added to, it's multiplied, okay? So everybody say, not addition, multiplication, multiplication. okay? That's what we want to do, all right? So this is the process. We have to first give ourselves to the church, then, or excuse me, we have to first give ourselves to God, then to the church, and then through the church, okay? So everybody say, first to God, then to the church, and through the church. This is what I mean, okay? And I'm, I'm going to read a few different passages, and, and these are three things that God really highlighted to me um, that goes with generosity, Okay? Starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 again, it says, Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. From the depths of their extreme poverty, superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. For I can verify that they spontaneously gave, not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. The first thing about going through the church, okay? We have this inspiration from God that commits us to the church, and then we are directed with our generosity through the church, 
And the first thing that we need to know is that our generosity is a privilege. It is a privilege to get to help people. To bless them beyond what they, they were even prepared for. I um, had the privilege of leading our mission trip to Cuba right before the pandemic started. And I had the privilege of giving Pastor Align the cash that we raised for the churches in Cuba. You should have seen that man's face. That is something that I will never forget. I feel like I can tell this story because it's past now. Um, but I had all of our cash for the mission trip on my person when we left the Springfield airport. So think about this for a second. Uh, it, I had 20 people's cash for a foreign country. That was a $1,500 trip per person. I had all of their cash on me and four house churches that we had raised money for to plant when we got there. You can do the math if you know how much a church costs with Surge, okay? So it was a significant amount of money. They thought I was a drug dealer. <laughs> they thought that I was siphoning money into Cuba to, to do drugs, okay? So I, I get stopped at the Springfield Airport. They take my passport from me. It's like, this is not good. You should never give somebody your passport, by the way, okay? If you've never traveled. I mean, I, wasn't, I hadn't even left the United States yet, and they'd already taken my passport. Luckily, they gave it back to me. I very wisely distributed the cash after that. Everybody carry your own from now on, okay? So we get to the Miami airport, and I kid you not, I'm approached by not one, but probably four federal agents in undercover dress. And they whip their, they whip their badge out from under their shirt and be like, why did you have that much money with you? Where's the money? And they wanted to know. Now, luckily, I had 20 people behind me that it's like, well, we're church planning, we're going on a mission trip, and it's pretty, hide, or it's pretty hard to hide the fact that I've got 20 missionaries behind me, okay? So, it, you know, and James is there, so he's sticking up above everybody else. He's like a foot taller than everybody else, okay? So we've got this going on, and thankfully, they believed me. But I got to carry that cash eventually again once we got back into Cuba, and I got to give that money to Pastor Align. It was a privilege to see his face and to know how much he appreciated what we were doing and what he was going to do with that money. We spent the rest of that week getting to see what he was going to do with that money. And it was amazing. It was powerful to see this man of God who it would be very tempting for him to do something wrong with that money. But he, he manages it so well. And there are so many churches that have been planted in Cuba because of him. Okay, So it's a privilege. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to keep moving. It's a sign of worship. He says here in verse 10 and 11, he says, So here are my thoughts concerning this matter. And it's in your best interest, since you made such a good start last year, both in the grace of giving... And in your longing to give, you should finish what you started. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so go, do it. Finish this act of worship according to your ability to give. It was awesome. I'm going to keep talking about Cuba here for a second. It was awesome as an act of worship, okay? You're giving your worship. You're giving your time. You're giving your money. We had people who contributed to our mission trip. We had people who contributed to the church planting. It's awesome to then see those tangible results and know that that is the result of an act of worship. You can look at that big old sign right back there. 481 physical healings, 79 deliverances, and 197 salvations. If that doesn't blow your socks off, I'm not sure what will, okay? You guys don't look very excited. I'm not sure what will blow your socks off if that doesn't, okay? Natalie and I have been talking. We have been itching to go back to Cuba. 
itching to go back to Cuba to help those people. Because if you think it's rough here, the contact that we've had with the people that still live in Cuba, we don't know rough in a pandemic. But what's awesome is to see the results of what we did while we were there nine months ago. Now, those people are still encouraged, and we still have the ability to encourage them. It's an act of worship. So everybody say privilege, Privilege. worship, and then finally at the end of this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 12 through 15, it says this, For if the intention and desire are these, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. I'm not saying this in order to ease someone else's load by overloading you, but as a manner, or excuse me, as a matter of fair balance. Your surplus could meet their need, and their abundance may one day meet your need. This equal sharing of abundance will mean a fair balance. As it is written, the one who gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. It's a matter of relationship. So everybody say privilege. Worship and relationship. To have the relationship to know that if something happened in my life, there are people who would cover me. And there are people in my life that if something happened to them, I would cover them. That is true generosity. It's true generosity. So I started with Lightning McQueen, okay? We're going to come full circle right here. Are we ready for this? Everybody grab your steering wheel again. Oh, I see some people without their steering wheels. I'm very disappointed. All right, here we go. Say, I I am am speed. speed. All right, let's do it one more time. Let's make it really intense. Say, I I am am speed. speed. Okay, so if you watch the movie, man, some of you guys were really getting into that. Okay, so if you watch the movie, Lightning McQueen is not untalented, right? He's like amazing. Okay, he's this amazing race car driver. He is this, uh, he has all of these abilities, okay? I want you to think about yourself right now. You are not incapable. You have the ability to make money. You have the ability to prosper. You have the ability to enjoy things that you work hard or you work hard for. Okay. You have that ability, and some of you guys might be like, "Well, I'm not so sure that you have a lot of you know that guy's got a lot of confidence in me that I don't have in myself." I I don't want to get into that. Because he says right here, he just said, we don't want you to give stuff that you don't have. It's not like we want you guys to go and get credit cards and load them up and give them to the church. That's not, that's not the path that we're wanting. God honors when you give something that is a sacrifice to you, regardless of the amount. It could be $50. That could be a big deal for you. There's nothing to be ashamed of for that. He wants you to give according to what you do have. But Lightning McQueen, he had stuff to give, Okay. But he realized that it was out of focus. He had a focus, I am speed. Was he a good race car as I am speed? And who's seen the movie? He was a good race car, right? Okay. The dude tied the race with his tongue, all right? If you haven't seen Cars, you guys are all going to go watch Cars uh, before the Chiefs game tonight. So you're, you're going to watch Cars, okay? But what he learns throughout that is that the relationships are really what's going to make him a better race car driver. It's going to make him a better racer in that moment because in the the ending scenes of the movie, sorry if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, in the ending scenes, he tries to get back to this focus. I am speed. But you know, all he could focus on was his relationships. And in the moment, it seemed to make him weak. 
But really what it did was it made him a better race car driver. So much so that he was about to win that race. And this is where I got all teary-eyed and started streaming. Peyton's there sitting on the couch while we're watching this movie. And we got tears streaming down our face, okay? Natalie won't look at me, which usually is the universal sign for she's crying. So, um, <laughs> so we're at this moment, and he, he realizes what's about to happen. And he takes what was about to be a big moment for him, and he stops it. And he says the words, you should finish your last race. That's what he says to that old car. You should finish your last race. So he pushes him across the finish line. Now, in the movie, it's the perfect, it's the, it truly is the perfect analogy for this sermon. Because what happens is the thing that he was competing for, that he thought he had to get first place, which was the sponsorship by Dynaco, okay? Again, you guys are very impressed by my knowledge of this movie. <laughs> But he's in this moment, and he thought, I have to win to do this. So he was sacrificing that, that sponsorship so that he could save that, that other car, so that you could finish your last race. And what happens is Dynaco is so moved by what he has done that they offer him the sponsorship instead of to the person that wins. Okay? I often think this is how our mindset of generosity should be. There's nothing wrong with us racing. There's nothing wrong with us earning money. There's nothing wrong with us moving forward. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the money that we make. But when we switch the lens from the fast lane to let's make as much money as possible, save as much as possible, spend as much as possible, and we switch to a mindset of generosity of, you know, I'm going I'm to do this race, and I'm going to compete, and I'm going to earn money, and I'm going to do this, but when I see a need, I will not hesitate to speak to it. I will not hesitate to act to it. That is the process that we are being brought through. When we give ourselves first to the Lord, then to the church, and then through the church. Will you guys just close your eyes with me for a moment? I know we've kind of goofed around a little bit this morning. I love cars. If you want to talk about cars, we can do it again later. Okay, so, but I just, I want to, I want to take this moment, and I want to reiterate the surge project vision that we have for this month. We're not trying to drain your bank accounts. We're not trying to manipulate you guys. We're not trying to do anything like that. What we are trying to do is we're trying to give you the opportunity to be generous and to change your mindset. To change your mindset to something that is God-focused. To change your mindset to something that doesn't focus on yourself. We have to tear down the spirits of every man for himself. We have to. We have to tear down the limiting belief that nobody can be trusted. We have to get past that. So this is what I want to do this morning. If everybody would just stand for a moment. And let's get back into that, that posture of surrender again. Maybe it's with your hands raised. Maybe it's just having your head bowed for a moment. I just want us to focus here for just a second on what God has done for each of us. We did this in the time meeting in a couple weeks, or last week, I mean. I want you to position yourself.